Welcome into episode 128 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. I'm Luke Lipinski alongside Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan. The Natty Hattie! Oh, we got a bell. Why did I have to wear headphones for this? We got a bell. I guess I have to scream in order for us to get a bell. All right. We got our first bell, what, four seconds into the show, so I should explain. We're not just uh, dinging Craig for being too loud. We are playing Natural Hattrick Bingo. Actually, That's... nobody dings me for being too loud. It's the opposite. Yeah, it's usually, yeah. We get complaints. Uh, well, I didn't know if maybe your microphone just broke and made that sound because it could actually pick you up this time. Natty Hattie Bingo, which we started two episodes ago. Yes, and, and our esteemed What's Left Over producer, Chris, actually forgot, did not give us credit for a couple. I don't think he forgot. I think he's just the harsh. He is you like think he's just not intelligent? He's like an Olympic figure skating judge that hasn't been bought off. That's what he's like. That, that's exactly what I was thinking, exactly. too. Yeah. <laughs> but We're on lockstep way, can, on this. Can someone describe what Chris is wearing today? I'd rather like, not. He's dressed like an Olympic figure skating jo- judge that hasn't been bought off yet. So do you, have you ever got those, like, cookies at the store, like the soft cookies from Fry's where you get, you know, there's, like, red and green and frosting? No. And then you ate too many of them and threw up in front of you, or, like, all over yourself? That is what Chris is wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not really a holiday sweater, right? It's more of a sweatshirt. Well, so, he, he it's, it's a it's a it's, something. Chris kind of looks like a giant Keebler elf today. He's an it's an elf. He's hoodie. about yeah, that's what uh, it and is. he's got a hood. Yes, with uh, okay. With oh, it's got the elf hat too. All right. yeah. I don't know why you're not wearing yeah, that at all times. Then. You should just build headphones into that. On the other hand, what Jamie is wearing is <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure there's a name for it. Actually, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't even know how how to describe what I'm wearing. I don't own a holiday sweater. Obviously, green and red clash with my eyes or whatever. Okay. So like, I don't, I, don't, I don't have I don't have that in my clothing repertoire. Okay. So I'm wearing a yellow and purple Razor Ramon sweatshirt. And I have Bobby pinned on it a, like a plush menorah thing. It's 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 <laughs> hanging around his neck. It's one a menorah. Night after, one out. One night after Hanukkah it's, already ended. It's so, imagine like a soft sandwich board. That's what it looks like. Jamie's wearing. Or right like now. a banner that would hang from the rafters. Like you just won the menorah championship yes. for 2017 yes. or something. Except yes. it's been Bobby pinned to your. I, I've been awarded Jew of the Year. <laughs> that's what I've gotten. This that, that's what this is for. <laughs> I, I humbly accept my award. <laughs> It's not humbly. You're, you're wearing it around to make sure everybody knows. Uh, I'm wearing all I black. I might have to put a picture of this. You have to. I, don't, I don't even know how to describe this. You're not doing a great job describing it. it. it I'm not, but can you do any better? Because I'm not sure you can. There's no way to do it justice. I mean, I, we sort of hit on it. You, it's like you're wearing a banner around your neck. Yes. And This time it's a literal one instead of figuratively. It kind of looks like you graduated. Like that's maybe the look. And then your, your hoodie does look very... Lakers like yeah, which you're not a Lakers fan. No, I am not a Lakers fan. But I, uh, people have asked me, and I, I can see it now. Was today supposed to be ugly Christmas sweater day? Well, we're or having a holiday little, sweater. We're having a little office party here at, at Fanner Exports HQ. We um, weren't invited. Uh, interesting. Okay, yeah. that's why we have to get. I out mean, here you come and eat the food. We got they got food out there, oh, kind of. That's really all. Like, they're like rules and stuff. Like that's where I get. It's, don't eat it before two p.m. I don't like rules. You guys, gremlins. I don't know. I didn't set the rules. You don't set the rules here? I know well, I set the rules mostly, but not for this stuff. This is this goes to director of, of fun, Paige DeMacos. Alright, I'm out. She's director of morale, actually, I believe. Oh, that, that was a mistake. Which um, is terrible news for you, Luke. It's yeah, that's I need to get out of here as quickly as possible. Craig and I are just wearing normal clothes because we didn't get the memo. Mine's covered with dog hair though, because my dog attacked me this morning. Alright, I'm the only one wearing normal clothes because yeah. I didn't get the memo. And <laughs> Craig doesn't have an excuse. Now wait, the whole point of this. Is Natty Hattie Bingo last week? It wasn't that Chris was forgetting. 
He's just stupid. Just extreme. <laughs> like, stingy. He's stingy. Wow. Oh, he's a jerk. Got it. So we get. Wow, we get. Jamie's hostile. This b- bad elf. Is that what he is now with, his, with that outfit? We get the ding for the uh, for Craig Morgan yelling the natty hattie. By the way, the ne- the next set of natty hattie bingo is going to include me insulting Chris. That's going to be one of the boxes. That just seems like one that you should make. Somebody should make the next natty hattie bingo card for us. But we have a second ding coming too. I've been yes, told. we do. Yes. Hey, there it is. And what's that for? This that is, was Carlson Wig. Yeah. For whatever reason, we could not have been more obvious about that last week. We but didn't. Chris, Christopher over there just decided, you know. Oh, he's calling you by your full. Yeah. Having it. And okay. Not, not the leftovers. All right. So now I believe we're caught up. We don't have bingo yet, though, right? Okay. Are we close? No. Not even no. close. How, how many boxes have we? So do we have to get at least okay. two more? How many have in, we filled order, completely? In a row? How many have we filled completely? I gotta say, Chris uh, dressed like an eleven elf. out of twenty-five. That's not bad, actually. I'm, su- I'm surprised. It's only two episodes. I'm yeah. some... Maybe that's out, good. Obviously. Maybe we're, mm, maybe we're not repeating out. ourselves as much. No, I don't think that's it. We're just repeating ourselves <laughs> with things that aren't on the card. But with Chris over there running the show dressed like an elf, it really does feel like the holiday season in here. It does. Let's, uh, let's start where all good holiday seasons start, on Long Island, where the New York Islanders are actually doing something right, it sounds like. They're going to continue to exist. That's yeah, a, I mean, that's something. That Hey, that's big. That's big news. It's definitely the biggest news in the NHL right now. And Craig, why don't you fill us in on some of these details? Well, they won the bid to build at Belmont Park, which everyone knew they were going to win because they had all the power behind them. They had politics behind them. That's the way these things work. But the Islanders are going back to Long Island. That's that's the big news. Where they play in the meantime is still up in the air. Probably another season at Barclays, maybe at Nassau Coliseum. But they're going to be back on Long Island. They're going to have a new state-of-the-art arena and... The, the offshoot of this, of course, is they're probably going to sign John Tavares to a contract extension before the season ends, and he will not even make it to free agency. So a lot of good news for that organization and its fan base right now. Yeah, happy holidays if you're an Islanders fan, right? Not only do you get to keep your team, but you get to keep your franchise center, assuming that that all works out. I mean, that's, that's, a, huge, that's a huge crossroads for that organization because you were at risk of I don't know, maybe losing your team. But either way, if something didn't get done soon, even if you kept your team, you were at risk of losing the best player you've had. Yeah, your franchise center. 30 years. Yeah, and you should add that it's not a fait accompli here. He hasn't said, I'm definitely signing now. But he he did admit that the arena was a factor in his decision. So, and you know how NHL players are. They're bizarrely loyal, (laughs) unless you're Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty. And you you give your home team a, a very good chance to re-sign you. He has said repeatedly that he'd like to stay with the Islanders. So this is a big hurdle in that process. I, I, I still haven't seen actually an actual timeline. I know we're very early in the process here, but the Islanders are going to have a new home, and, and they have needed one as badly as any NHL team. Just to be clear, fait accompli is not on the bingo card? Okay. All right. And uh, also, can you explain what that means? No. <laughs> okay. Jamie knows. <laughs> I don't think Jamie does. Jamie's just saying he knows. All right, so the Islanders are in good shape. They're in the Metro where the more you look at that division, the more it seems like somebody very good is going to miss the playoffs. At this point, it would be Pittsburgh, which... Yeah, the hockey group of death. Why do I hear a phone ringing? Because the phone's ringing. Are are people calling into the podcast? (laughs) He's got you there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I swear. Okay, so we have have a landline here at the office. Remember those? It's the only one in America. I I believe we've had that for two and a half years. I think we've gotten a grand total of three calls that were meaningful. So aren't you? Oh, so you're getting telemarketing calls. You're just not getting. Okay. There's a complete waste. So you're not even the slightest bit interested in who's calling right now? No. All right. Do not care. Wow. 
One, t- one time the, the, the Los Angeles Kings called me to tell me that we, to get a credential for something, but like that was it. Mostly it's like just, hey, do you want to buy this thing? Or, hey, we've got a n- new scam for you. Or, hey, it's the Wilpons. Can you, can you float us alone? <laughs> At least they're straightforward. Hey, we've got a new scam for you. Would you like to sign up? I'm trying to see if there's any uh, questions on the Natty Hattie. Well, but, Jamie, you're a New Yorker. You like the fact the Islanders are going back to Long Island? Do I they do. they belong there? I do. I, I think I'm like our producer over there who's actually from Long Island, so he can maybe speak to it better, but we don't give if him we a had, mic. Yeah, well, we don't give him a yeah. mic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like where franchises stay where they are. Unless there's a massive reason why they need to go or the market has completely rejected them as an entity, I like teams staying where they are. And it would have been weird for the Islanders to play anywhere else. So I, I do like it being there. So you were not on board with Brooklyn? Even if the arena had worked, would you be in, have been that, on board with that? I was, I'm not a Long Island guy, so that didn't, that didn't register to me either way. So if, to me it was, the arena doesn't make any sense. And then being there in person and seeing, oh wow, this arena doesn't make any sense for hockey. But I, I, I don't know. Chris, what, what did you think? Did Chris, you could care? you mime your reaction? Thank you. Yes, great. Good job, Chris. Perfect. Are you, do you care, Chris? Yes. Yes. Oh, well. I liked him on Long Island. That, there you go. He likes him on Long Island. That's, that's Long what we were Island. looking for. We were looking for that sort of uh, passion right there. Well, All he right. doesn't have any left. He's a Mets fan. Mets, Jets. You're not, you're not really an Islanders fan. You're a Blackhawks fan, which we won't get into because we need more of those in the world. But mm. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> All right. I have a question from a listener. Okay. Are we done with the Islanders? Uh, I, I guess. I don't, so I mean, is Brooklyn. That, right, was the question. that was the question from the listener. <laughs> Are we done with the Islanders? <laughs> no. Um, we, we, we're going to have to do a, a Natty Hattie Live at some point. Like on, take questions, uh, yeah. like in a big empty field or something. Yeah. Like we should go by um, <laughs> when, when the when the carriers are officially eliminated from the playoffs. This is in your February. job to set that up in <laughs> that big empty what's, field. What's uh, South by Southwest? That's where we need to do the podcast yes. from. That's I th- we could be the headline. Or we'll just take it with you to Coachella. Yeah, that'll that'll be a great S- show. Side stage, absolutely. I'm thinking a Gilbert location would work for me. Way side stage then, apparently. Yeah. All right, uh, Michael writes in. Okay, why'd you yell that in the mic? I just I want everybody to know that it was Michael. Okay. Potential show topic. Phoenix is yes. a city of fairweather fans and fans of teams from other cities. How does that affect the Coyotes? What can the team do to fix it? And does it affect the team's ability to sign free agents? So I heard this. Uh, thank, uh, Michael, thank you for sending that in. Uh, I actually heard that by several people following the Pens game. I wasn't at the Pens game, but I heard there were one or two Pittsburgh fans there. Yeah, there were, and they were loud this time. Typically, I mean, you guys have been to enough Coyotes games. You can tell it's the same teams that travel pretty well around the NHL. Some of them are a little more, uh, let's just say, obnoxious than others. And we'll say that some of those, well, I won't even point out the fan bases. I think people know. Yeah, I won't even point out that the Flyers are one of them. Got it. (laughs) They're so broken, they're not even obnoxious. Um, Again, Blackhawks, Rangers... Red Wings. Uh, Red Wings. Red Wings. Really, most of the Canadian market. Jets. Come here. Yeah. Jets in particular yeah. for a lot of reasons. Yeah, but in terms of being like loud and aggressive about it, yeah. I would say, I think, Craig, you would agree, Blackhawks fans are somewhat loud about their team. And yes. uh, the Jets are here. Pittsburgh fans are usually pretty quiet. It felt like a Penguins game at, at, uh, yeah, at that Saturday. And that's irked a lot of fans. But it's not something to me that's unexpected. I mean, we've been to... Yes, it would be helped if they were actually winning and not in last place by a thousand points. That would certainly help, but that's going to happen all the time. You you live in a market of a lot of transplants, and a lot of people in this market are from Chicago, from Michigan, from other parts. You're going to get a, a large influx of opposing teams' fans. I mean, and look what happens when the Yankees come to town to play the Diamondbacks. What you need is a generation of people who grow up as Coyote fans, and yeah. then those people buy season tickets and go to games. That's that's how. 
a market becomes a mature market. And that's that's what's lost with all these, you know, older markets that that trash the non-traditional markets and say they don't have a fan base. Well, let, let's go back like 50 years in your history. And you can't you can't even compare because everything was so different. Media was so different. But when you introduce a sport to a market, obviously it takes time for that sport to sort of weave its way into the fabric of the city and you do need to win the coyotes have not had success on the ice i mean when even when they when they arrived here and they had kachuk and ronick those players they couldn't get out of the first round of the playoffs yeah. those are the kind of things that endear you to a fan base you want to compare something i'm curious what's going to happen with vegas's fan base because they're having instant success imagine if that team makes a deep playoff run now yeah i mean it could be an instant connection for that city and again it's apples and oranges because they're the only pro team there right now. But those sorts of things matter, and, and just simply time. You have to let fans grow up on the team. You build you build it organically. How much do you think the availability of the game as a whole plays into it? Because I just think about, on a nightly basis, whether, even if I don't want to spend the 200 300 bucks for center ice, I can see highlights or parts of games from so many teams around the league every single night which in 20 years ago, you, you saw what was on your local television, and that's what you saw. I think... Do you think we're, there's there's some connection being lost, just in general, between fans and their local team because you have the ability to watch so much else? There's there's probably some of it. I mean, like, people that go to a hockey game for the first time that aren't really hockey fans are typically blown away by how much better it is in person than on TV, whereas... At least in my opinion, like an NFL game is better on TV at this point than it is in person. And maybe that's just the entire packaging of the NFL and all the games going on. It's what on they at the cater same time. to. But yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with you completely. The, the best in game experience from TV to in game is hockey. So, I mean, the, where the Coyotes are located for people that don't live here, it's, it's not near where the majority of hockey fans are. And it's not at, it's, it's not easily accessible on a Tuesday night from the East Valley, which is where the majority of people live. So you're looking at potentially an hour and a half, two-hour drive to get to a game. You couple that on top of the fact that they haven't been winning, and you basically kill walk-up traffic to some of those games. And so you really hurt your ability to get just your average sports fan from Phoenix out to a game on the west side from the east side on a Tuesday night, whereas if you are a Penguins fan or a Blackhawks fan or a Red Wings fan or whatever, and you know your team's just going to be here on December 16th, you'll make it a point to get to that one specific game for sure. So I think there's a lot of it to that. And to Craig's point, you do need to win too. Absolutely. The reality is you need the casual sports fan to sell out consistently. And you can't get the casual sports fan without getting some... When you have seven wins. Seven wins and and no, not really much walk-up traffic where they're located. It's it's impossible to just kind of be walking around downtown or whatever and say, hey, let's go to a, a hockey game tonight because it's right there. Look, the Cavs are never... I, I just I don't anticipate them ever being as popular as the Cardinals or the Suns in this market. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, but when they were, were in the playoffs three straight years, they sold out every single game. There was legitimate buzz around the team. You have to win. And you can sit back and say... Well, you know, you know, Blackhawks fans went through the lean years, and they did, but so their attendance sagged as well because yep. people don't want to spend money on a product they think sucks. And to me, that's smart. You know, I, 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 I read a lot of this in our business, um, journalists trashing fans for not supporting their team when their team stinks. We hear from ownership, from management, from players that it's a business. Why can't fans treat it that way too? If you're going to give me a garbage product, 
Why should I spend my money on that? that? You need to deliver. That was a longtime criticism of Cubs fans, was it not? Yeah. That, that they're going to continue to throw out their losing product, but you're going to keep going to Wrigley like, like it's all okay. See, I think that there's, there's a, a, a line of distinction to draw there with what Craig's saying, though. I, I totally get, you know, especially in a city like Phoenix, there is an NFL team, an NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL, and major a major college. college. Yeah, and there's spring training. and basketball there's, school. There's, there's every yeah, there's yeah, basketball school right. now. So... There's all these different places to spend your money. I understand. It's not here. It's not just that's not just reserved for the Coyotes. If the Suns aren't playing well, their games don't sell out. The Diamondbacks almost never sell out, and they went to the playoffs last year. And there's certainly an element of opposing fans at all of these games for all of these teams in town. Like Jamie said, it's just it's a city full of people that have moved here for the most part from other cities or their parents have or whatever. But I think there's a line to draw between look, I just don't have the money to spend if you're not going to win games, and I'm going to go on social media and just trash you constantly. That's that's the difference, I think, and I think that's where some people get frustrated is it's one thing to not spend your money because it's your money, but it's another thing to just completely turn on your team until they get good again. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it is a fine line, like you said, but ultimately fans have to look at it as as a business in some sense, and you are when you go to a game, when you are going watching them on TV, when you're buying merchandise – you are giving them a vote of confidence that you are seeing, whether it's a product, whether it's a physical product, the on-ice product, the path that they're on on-ice, you are giving them a vote of confidence when you spend your dollar on yeah. it. And to me, I never have an issue with somebody saying, they're not putting a competitive team on the ice or on the field or on the diamond, so I'm not going to spend my money on them. Yep. And, and, I, and I don't think you should look that. down on somebody for that. Yeah, and I, well, so you're talking about social media, too. Yeah. Social media is an entirely different animal. No, and it's and it's I, also so fake. The world of social media is so fake. And it's probably why people are less patient, too. I mean, if we want to get right down to it. Like, to Craig's point, you have to build up a generation of fans that were born here. And so, or in any city that's new like this. I mean, this is not mm-hmm. the only city where Blackhawks fans show up to games or Penguins fans show up to games. That happens in probably 10 to 12 cities around the NHL pretty consistently. But you have to take the time to actually build up a generation of fans that this is the team they grew up around. It's not their parents may be Blackhawks fans, but they're Coyotes fans or they're Carolina fans or Nashville fans or Tampa or whatever. We're, and we're starting to see that again. You're starting to see again. We you now have some, we've talked about Austin Matthews a million times of being somebody in this market going to the draft. We're starting to see people show up where they're wearing the away team's jersey and their kids are wearing a Coyotes jersey. That's going to happen, but that takes time. But also, you need to win a little bit along the way, or else it's not going to matter. Yeah. And the thing with Matthews too is he's he's about as old as you could be. To, to have grown up around the Coyotes, yeah. and he's still very young, and he just happens to play for Toronto now. What, what just always throws me off is when there's a game in Toronto and you see people wearing Coyotes jerseys in the stands. That's like the complete opposite of yes. everything we're talking about. But I guess at a certain point, if you live in Toronto, you just got fed up with the Maple Leafs. You, you have to establish a winning culture. People, again, it's natural. You, you gravitate towards winners. And I, and I joke about this all the time when you know on Chris and I's wrestling show. I know we already got that ding for that before, but... People don't identify, want to identify with losers. People don't want to don't want to cheer for something they think is going to lose. People listen all to this show the though. Time. Well, that's why they don't identify with you. you, you identify your with Blackhawk me. point is a good one it. here because it, you know people when people look at successful franchises, it, in, as far as the NHL, that's as as successful as you can yes. get over the last decade or whatever. But they they went through their period too, and, and part of that was their ownership as well. Yeah. Uh, William Wirtz was not a popular guy <laughs> in Chicago, and he didn't want the team team's home games on TV, 
their attendance dropped to, I mean, there were 11,000 people in, yeah. in that stadium at times, and that's crazy yeah. for a city that large. So you, you're, you're right. You have, to, you have to have a winning culture, but the, the Coyotes have never had a truly winning culture. Yeah. Even when they had those teams that we talked about when they first arrived here, they couldn't get out of the first round. When Dave Tippett first got here, they had some success, but... It was such a surprise. Like There was no momentum going into that 50-win right. season. It right. was just, wow, and, look what happened. And still, there was only one season where they got out of the first round. They yeah. lost to Detroit a couple times. So you, yep. you have yeah. one season where you go to the Western Conference Final. That can be the spark. That's that's where it starts, but then... And then the lockout, and then you fell off a table. Yes, and exactly. Then it, and then it all just crumbled away. They, they had something going there. I'm not blaming the lockout as much as I'm blaming you never came even close to being competitive after that. Well, I would say this, and this is even... Sort of remarkable for for me as a big hockey fan. When the Coyotes were in the Western Conference Final, I was I was blown away by how many sports fans around town just instantly became hockey fans. I mean, you need so it speaks to your guys' point that you need to have some success. People that that are typically Suns fans or Cardinals fans or even Diamondbacks fans are so hungry in this city for any sort of winning that they all just jumped on the Coyotes. And the other moment when it happened, and it it backfired on the Coyotes and it had nothing to do with them, but when they had the worst team with the second worst record going into the Connor McDavid draft lottery, it's all anybody in sports in this town was talking about. And most of them had never even seen Connor McDavid play. They just knew the buzz about Connor McDavid. That was such a big deal in the week leading up to the draft lottery among people, local sports radio hosts or TV personalities that don't follow hockey at all that were ready to jump on and at least get caught up in Connor McDavid mania. And then, of course, you know. Whatever Edmonton. happened? Whatever happened to the guy that they drafted that year? I smell a segue. Okay. <laughs> whatever happened to that guy? All right. So Dylan Strom's back in Tucson. Um, I feel bad for the guy. I really do. We we interviewed him on the post game show the other night, and it was the first time I've heard him really just open up and talk about just his experience getting back to the NHL. And he said he's like basically turned off social media for a while, and he doesn't want to hear people bashing him, but he can't help but hear it, obviously, because he's human. It's got to be incre- it's got to be incredibly difficult when you you succeed at such a high level in juniors. So and there's good. so much hype around you. So good at every level, not, not just like AHL. above average, the best and, at every level. And then you, you just it's not clicking for you at the NHL level. And you know people are making comparisons to not just McDavid and Eichel, but to other players drafted in that first round. <laughs> you know it's a franchise that is starved for talent down the middle and just looking for a reason. And they have a fan base that's upset, and he's not helping. It's going to be incredibly difficult. But he's not the answer, and he's not going to be. Well, that's the thing. I don't care that he's and this 20. Is, this is a hot-button topic for, for fans still because there's still some people who look at him and say, he's 20, he's, it's crazy to say he's a disappointment, which is what I wrote last night when they, when they sent him. But See, so you're one of the people he has to tune out now. Well, here's, here's the thing, guys. He was the number three overall pick, and when you look at what's going on in that draft class, when you got guys like Barzal coming up now mm-hmm. and doing what they're doing, Guys are making an impact now. Dylan Strom may end up being a middle six center. Trust me when I tell you, there's nobody in the Coyotes organization that thinks he's going to be a number one center. They're, they're saying it publicly. They don't believe it anymore. It, okay, it, It's like being a franchise quarterback. Either you see the sparks of it in the first year or two, or it doesn't happen. In the NFL, it's like 20 games, you say. If either you see it in the first 20 games, or they might be fine. They might be serviceable. They might be an average starter. But if you, you're a superstar, you're going to see it in the first 20 NFL games. You're going to see it in the first two years after the draft, whether somebody is a true franchise or number one center. 
I'm not sure he's a number three center right now. Okay, but to be fair, a couple things, and we've discussed this on the show before. He was the universal number three pick in that draft. It's not like the Coyotes reached. No, this is not an issue of the Coyotes reached. Again, he was not. He was never going to be McDavid. He was never going to be Eichel. But now the guys that are behind, but he needs to be a number two center. I think that's not unrealistic for what but you see, expected him to be. I think I, this is where I, I do defer to his age and say I, I do still think he can become a number two center. It's just we're not seeing it yet. But again, he is twenty. A lot of the guys, to Craig's point, that were in his draft class, the Matthew Barzals and the Brock Besters, are really taking off this year. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't do anything this year, then for the first time you can say he's behind schedule. People that have been saying, I mean, people have been calling him a bust for two years because he didn't step in and do what McDavid and Eichel did. Yeah, yeah which was which ridiculous. Is, okay, yeah. then you don't watch hockey. Like I don't, I don't know what to do for you. Like Connor McDavid doesn't come along every year. And, and here's another thing, uh, to, just to add a point to that. He's a guy who belonged in the AHL a year before he got there. Yes. And Having he's to go back to games. juniors, I don't, you know, they, they said he, he got to play for a Memorial Cup, all that stuff. That, that's nice. I don't believe that nice helped him. spin. He needed to play pro hockey for another year. So he'd be a, a year further on in, in his development. Having said that, though, guys, and, and you're watching him play just like I am, in this latest, I think, eight or nine games, in, I'm trying to remember what it was, he had no impact. He had no impact that, on the game. He that's one the scary goal. part. He, he, was, he was tentative. His, his strength is playing with the puck. He's got to play with the puck. He's got to hold on to the puck. He looked like he wanted to give it up every turn. He d- still doesn't have the physical capabilities to play in this league, which is what the offseason was supposed to be about. There's so many deficiencies in his game that when I look at him and say, oh, he's 20, okay, but how is he taking this quantum leap forward to being the guy that people still hope he's going to be? That, I don't see it we're happening. talking about this at practice the other day, though. If he was on... I don't, I don't want to use Tampa Bay because they're so extreme, but if he was on the Lightning, don't you think that there's enough other players around him that would cover up for some of his deficiencies and what he's good at. I don't at. think he's playing if he's on the Lightning. I don't well, think he's on the roster. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the other side of it, too, is, yes, he's not exactly playing with the, the most talented team in the NHL, but he's going to get a lot more time and opportunity. But the fact that he can't crack this the team. The thing is, this is the piece yeah. that's supposed to make those other pieces better. That's what top centers do. That's what is missing in this lineup, has been missing in this lineup Forever. But if you don't look at him through the scope of being the number three overall pick and you take a step back and say he's probably not going to be a number one center. Okay, so are we are we clear there then that he's not going to be that guy? I'm not I'm well, not I mean, going he's to completely, very clearly not gonna be a number one center. I, I'm I'm not looking at him as the number three overall pick in the draft anymore. I still think that he can be a number two center in this league, but you're right, he's gonna have to start showing something. Now yep. is the point where I start to get a little concerned if we don't see anything from him this year or next if year. If he was, let's say, the twenty fifth pick in the draft, we'd be looking at maybe next year as the okay, that's the do or die year. So maybe we wait that long. Nick Merkley but, was the thirtieth pick in that draft. He just made his NHL debut last night. And I, I mean he doesn't have anywhere near the expectations well, that Dylan Strom has. He got picked twenty seven picks later, but yeah. Yeah, but, and, yes, and, but still a first-round pick. And he also got set back by injuries two straight seasons. So. Yeah. But to me, I look at Strom, and, and I always, when I look for young players, I want to see flashes. I don't expect them to come up and be a finished product right away. I want to see flashes. And when you just get completely lost in games, when I just yeah. don't even notice you're on the ice or not, that scares me. But I would go back to Craig's point, and this is, this is the only reason I haven't, I haven't given up, is because he was... He's one of those players, he's not the only one, but he's one of those players that really kind of got hurt by that whole CHL rule where you can't play in the AHL until you're a certain age or whatever. And so last year, he was there was nothing left for him to co- accomplish in junior. And you're right. We sat here and talked about how he did this and that. That was the Coyotes just making the best of the situation. He needed to be in the AHL last year. So if you give him this year in the AHL where he's been dominant, and then when he comes back to the NHL, 
after more than 15 AHL games, if he still can't make the jump at all, then then I'm concerned. My concern, too, is what more does he have to prove in Tucson? Where, how do you prove anything, but he, should get, he, but, he can get but, better there. But my concern is, will he? Is he this, I don't know. This is, the, this is the problem where it's not necessarily his fault, but this is where the, the quad A player comes in. This was Again, I, I'm afraid to throw this name out there because I'm not trying to compare the two, but I kind of am. With Wayne Andy, Gretzky? Andy Mealy. Oh. There's a point where you are so good at the minor league level and you're playing on such a different level, there's no one pushing you to do things differently or to be better or to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, he's going to have to do that at the NHL level. Right. So my concern is what more is that there for him to learn in Tucson? I don't let's, know. Let's just, go back he's to, only played 15 games. Let's That's go the, back to what Steve Sullivan said about him when they recalled him, the assistant general manager for the Coyotes and Tucson's general manager. We got to the point where we just don't know what else he can do because Dylan has done most everything we've asked him to do. When we sent him down, we thought, let him figure it out for a while, and around Christmas was probably when we thought we'd take another look. But at Thanksgiving, we look, and he's leading the league in scoring, playing better than when he left. So you ask, at what point does staying down become a negative? If he stays another month, is he going to get much better? Probably not. That's the assistant general manager of the Coyotes and Tucson's general manager talking, thinking, I don't think he's going to get much better. So you send him back to Tucson so he can dominate it again. So what? You already know he can dominate. What's going to change about his ability to translate it at the NHL but level? I, I have to think they didn't go to Dylan Strom the other day and say, go back to Tucson and dominate. I have to think they said, this is what you need to work on. You need to do this. Now that we've seen you back at the NHL level, and this is a process, it's... But what does he need to work on, Luke? He needs to work on thinking the game at the NHL pace. He can't do that in the AHL. Yeah, and that'd be my, that's my concern as well. And look, I know it's a different situation, for example, in Nolan Patrick in Philadelphia, where if you send him down, you're sending him back to juniors. Yeah. But they have let him stay in the lineup and take his lumps. He has not been good. He's been a complete non-factor for the Flyers this year. But they have kept him in the lineup to take his bumps. At some point, the Coyotes are going to have to do that. They're going to have to leave him up and let him sink or swim over an 82-game season and say, either you're going to figure it out and improve here, or we're going to have to move on. Well, I'm not, I'm not opposed to them doing that now. I mean, that's – I would give them – I mean, them, you're playing for nothing right now. Let's be honest. You're I'd, playing for nothing. I'd give them the benefit of the doubt that it, it makes sense logically of, hey, okay, we've got him – finally got him in the AHL. He's played 15 games. He looks great. Let's try him at the NHL level. Okay, it's pretty clear that he needs to work on this or this. Go back to the AHL. But the next time you call him up – Jamie's right. I mean, you're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. Next time you call him up, let him play for a while. You're going to have to. You have it's to find been out what nine you games. Have. I like, asked that very question to John Chica yesterday because I was, you know, you, you hear them talking and, and saying, well, look, he, at, at this, the, the games are just too important here. The truth is, nothing's important for the Coyotes the rest of the season except for finding some sort of momentum and seeing development from their young players. Yeah, I mean, you don't they're want to go to the playoffs. Yeah. They're going to have wins. high draft picks. So but you do want to win. You want to get to the point where you're winning games. There's, there's the, from, from that standpoint, there's the responsibility to the guys in the locker room. Do you put a guy in that is so obviously not ready to play at this level and take the spot of somebody who is, or at least more ready to play? Is that fair to the other guys in the locker room? There's that argument to be made. But... If you're embracing this, it's about the future mentality instead of it's about the now, maybe you do have to do that at some point really soon. Because if Dylan Strom spends the rest of the year in the AHL, I, again, going back to what Steve Sullivan said, what more can he accomplish down in the A? I'm afraid he's too good for the AHL. I think, and this is, again, I'm going to make another crazy comparison here, but for any of us, let's play, say you play a video game. You play the NHL video game, and you play it on rookie mode. You can play on rookie mode for... The entire length of the game. There's only a certain level you're going to get to your skill-wise. At some point, you have to play at a harder mode to truly get better. 
At some point, you have to play at the NHL level to get better. And my concern is, is he is so good at the AHL level that it's not going to improve his game the same way it would if even struggling at the NHL level. At some point, you got to let him sink or swim. My concern is Jamie only thinks we're good enough at video games to make an analogy. He, he couldn't do anything that was truly athletic. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you guys in the sense that when you call him back up, he's got to stick for a while. Again, this was only nine games. Look, like it's, He's only played, what, 18 career NHL games. They've been spread out over two years and three or four different stints. Like, And when he played the seven of the 18 last year, he would play a game and then he'd sit for two weeks. Like, At, at a certain point, see what the kid can do and – See what he can do when he's not looking over his shoulder every other game. Yeah. And then if he can't do it, then you know what you have. You might end up moving a couple guys around the trade deadline anyway, just because, you're, again, you're, you're going to be a seller for the very limited pieces you have to sell. Let him come up and play 15 minutes a night the rest of the season. But I don't think he has to be a number one center to be useful to the Coyotes. No, but he's going to have to prove he can at least be a top nine forward to be useful for the Coyotes. Yeah. Okay, well... Just just before we leave Dylan Strom, I, I just want to torture Coyote fans one more time because I, I know they, they think a lot about McDavid and Eichel, but some of the names that went after him, it, as as that draft class continues to progress, it it's actually the first round of that draft class is, is pretty good. It is. There's some good players there. Mitch Marner went after him. Noah Hannafin went after him. Zach Wierenski went after him. Mika Rantanen went after him. Matthew Barzal, who we've just talked about. Kyle Connor, Brock Besser, all these guys went after him. Provorov, too, right? Didn't Provorov go in that draft? Or am I yes, he did. Am I mixing up my Provorov? Mixed results with him thus far, but yeah. Yeah. But he's a young, again, you, you give defensemen a little yes. bit more time. It was. Oh, and by the way, we, we talked about how he was the consensus number three pick. There was one guy in the Coyotes organization that didn't want Dylan Strom even at the time, and that was Coach Dave Tippett, who wanted to trade him for a trade that was on the table for Dougie Hamilton. So you'd have. A top pairing right-handed but defenseman. Right that now. was an established or establishing defenseman at that point. That wasn't somebody else in the draft. It's no. not like anybody was saying on draft. Well, we really should take Matthew Barzal over Dylan Strome. Nobody right. was saying. You're right. That. I'm just saying that option was also out there and being pushed. <laughs> All right, you done? You done kicking the Coyotes fans while they're down? <laughs> sorry, <Over>? guys. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you're done. It doesn't sound like you're sorry either. No, I'm just you know I'm just. It, it's hard not to look at what might have been. Imagine if they had made that trade. Don Maloney didn't want to trade the number three pick in the draft. And, and you know, you understand. You need a center. That's what they've always needed. But there were people in the organization who didn't think Dylan Strome was going to be a number one yeah. center even then. It happens in the NFL, too. You, you stake your reputation as a GM on making that pick or not making that pick. And right now, it clearly looks like it was the wrong choice. It mm-hmm. just... Think, yeah, look at the guys they've know. missed on, too. I mean, well, I mean, they didn't miss on Kyle Turris, but he's gone. He's not here. But that's again, a, that's I don't think he's a number regime, one though. center either. But I mean, no, but he, he that, helped them right now. But but at least with that, I guess there were some other circumstances yeah. involved. It yeah, wasn't that his talent didn't pan out. There yeah. was a lot of other circumstances. And Blake Wheeler too, another guy that would continues look to be really the most good. underrated player in the NHL. But I mean, that stuff predates even Maloney when you get to Blake yeah. Wheeler. Like yeah. if you're talking about the current regime, so far their draft picks in the first round have been pretty good. And one of those draft picks was not Dylan Strome. I'm uh, I'm not giving up on Dylan Strome just yet. But I'm like I said, I'm not. I'm not sitting here looking at him as, well, he's going to be the third best player in one of the best drafts in the last 15 years. Right, and that was really the point of my column, is just maybe reassess his ceiling and expectations for him. That's that's probably what they need to do. um, And and even so, at the number three spot, that's still a disappointment. Yeah, but if he's a productive number two or number three center for this team, like Rick Tockett wasn't here when they took him number three. I think he'd be fine with Dylan Strome being a productive number two or number three center. He's not going to care where they took him. Yeah, I mean, again, this is not not a one-for-one comparison, but look at Jordan Stahl, for example. 
Okay, I'm looking at him. Look at the other Penguins picks at the top of the draft around them. They're all significantly better than him. But Jordan Stahl still found a valuable role in the team. Yeah. And that's, that's what you're hoping if for. If Dylan Strome could become your Jordan Stahl, you'd be fine with that. Now, you got to find that Crosby and Ovechkin kind of, or Crosby and Malkin kind of thing somewhere else. Yeah, but well, aside know. from that, it's really <laughs> one-to-one. All right, uh, let's transition. Well, I guess... Quickly, let's stay in, in Arizona. Uh, the Phoenix Coyotes got called for a penalty last night. Ah, Phoenix <laughs> jar. As, as Craig pointed out in the uh, the pre-show notes. And I believe the Coyotes tweeted something out about this too, didn't they? Yeah, after I tweeted it, they they responded. Yeah. I don't know how... The, how how long did that take to type? There must be like a, they must have that saved somewhere because creating those figures out of punctuation yeah. is really difficult. It was pretty solid, actually. Um, how long have they been the Arizona Coyotes? <laughs> this is your four? Your three, your four. I remember the year that they transitioned over. Like even in the broadcast booth, we were like, "Okay, we're gonna have to have some sort of jar where if you accidentally call him Phoenix, you toss a quarter in there or whatever." Because when you're part of the broadcast team, you've been saying Phoenix Coyotes For- every time, going to break every play. Like you've been saying it a thousand times a night. Yeah, you go into autopilot. And I think we were all pretty much over it after like two days. We managed to figure out it was the Arizona Coyotes. I don't understand how people associated with the league are still calling them Phoenix. Probably because they don't pay any attention. And then they, they come into town four times a year and they say, oh, yeah, Phoenix. Shouldn't that make it easier? Because you don't have it programmed in your mind that you've been calling them the Phoenix Coyotes. Like, I don't call the Calgary Flames the Atlanta Flames. Well, nobody calls them the Atlanta Flames. Well, they were in Atlanta? Yes, hmm. they were. By the way, are the Flames staying in Calgary or are we going <laughs> to eventually be calling them the we'll Atlanta Flames? We'll get to that Flames. in a minute. Just a, another note on the Coyotes, by the way. And that's at some point here... Maybe maybe at midseason, maybe at the All Star break, if if your general manager John Chaika, if your owner Andrew Barraway, you need to ask some hard questions about this organization. They are seven twenty four and five right now. I went back and looked at the the worst records for the Coyotes Jets franchise at the midpoint of the season, and this team. I mean, when in in. Uh, in uh, 1980-81, that's that's the only one I could find that was worse. That was 429 and seven. They they were brutal. But this team is seven twenty four and five. Clearly heading for the worst start in in their Arizona tenure and one of the worst starts really in league history. At some point, do you have to say we need to make changes? They, they can't be this bad. They, they just they just yeah, can't you, be. you can't accept this kind you of. You are bad. twenty. Okay, you. What are you now? You are 36 games into the season. You are 27 points behind a team that just was thrown together six months ago. But that's extreme. But I know, but you're... I mean, the Penguins won the Cup last year. They're 10 points behind a team that was thrown together. I know, but you still, like, what is... This team should not be this bad. This is a more talented team on paper than last year's team. What is going on? Yeah. So... I'm, I'm sorry, it is. This is what we do then. Okay, so they're 7, 24, and 5. What did you realistically expect them to be right now? We all expected them to have more than seven wins, 36 games into the season, but when you factor in a new I coach thought, and a new system and I the injuries. I thought they'd be a 75, 76-point team by the end of the year. 75, 77-point team. Yeah. They're going to be like a 50-point team. But they were Colorado last they year. They were supposed to be worse at the, the first half of the season than the second half, you would agree, right? Absolutely. And the, the travel schedule didn't help. Learning a new system, which they're clearly still learning, didn't help. Lots of new faces didn't help. Key injuries didn't help. There there have been a lot of hurdles, and and... You know, I know people don't want to hear those, but they're all factors. Sorry, that's what analysis is. These, these, it's nuanced. There are multiple factors Absolutely. in why a team is playing poorly. And if you want to dismiss those, well, then go somewhere else yeah. because that, that you're just doing bad analysis. <laughs> I, I love the people who are like, well, who cares that they traveled more right. than any it's team just, in NHL well, history? It's not having an impact. Well, of course it's having s- an impact. You just, to, be, to be blunt, shut up. You're wrong. <laughs> 
All of those things matter, but they should not be this bad. They can't. They, they shouldn't be. This simply bad. shouldn't be this bad. They yes, should have won a few a, more games. They've had a lot of adversity. There, Ranta's been in and out of the lineup. I, I get it. Like you were starting the Devils' third string goalie for half the games this year. I and get he was it. your best goalie at that point. I get it, but they shouldn't be this bad. You mm-hmm. can. Well, I can sit here and justify to a certain extent, not to the extreme where you lost every game up until October 30th, but I can sit here and I can say at the start of the year you didn't have Ranta and you didn't have Perlini or Chikrin and you had all these injuries. I get that you're going to be bad at the start of the year. And then it looked like they were turning things around a little bit and then you hit that stretch where you're closing out the the long run of road games. I can I can justify some losses there too. And then you finally come home and you play Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay, you're not going to win this game. right. But I, when but you're I, up two nothing on Florida, that's bingo. with ten seconds left in the second period, you should win that game four nothing. It's not just the, that they're losing; it's the way they're losing. It's the, they're blowing every lead they ever get in the third period. The Florida it, game is is the first one that has really thrown me off agreed. because that's a team and. Maybe we'll look back and say, okay, they started to turn the corner after that, relatively speaking. But at the moment, that's their worst loss of the season by far. Yeah, and they're at home now. They've, they've, they've gotten through that grueling stretch. They had a little bit of rest here before this game. That's a game you have to win. You need to start making some strides. You need to show some progress now. And if they don't do it over this next little stretch at home, when you get to January or you get to the All-Star break... Somebody's got to ask some tough questions. And look, maybe maybe they're in a budget situation where what goes out has to be dollar for dollar with what comes in. But you still need to probably make some changes here. And, and here's the other thing, guys, and I know a lot of people are questioning this. I know they want to play a fast style. There's no doubt in my mind if they were playing Dave Tippett style, they'd have more wins right now. Yeah. They're struggling with this system. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have the personnel right now to play this system. So that's something to examine as well. I don't know if that's Rick Tockett's fault. This is what the organization said it wanted to do. But you have to look at that, too, and, and say, is, is this, in fact, helping us? Are our guys losing so much confidence right now because we're not having any success in this system that it's going to scar them down the road? I still think, though, you just got Chikrin back, and you really haven't had Jalmerson much all year. That's, it's one guy now, though. It just, it at is. that point, I'm, I'm not, I'm, the injury excuse is gone for me. Well, the injury excuse is gone going forward. I would, I would give you that. But I would like to see what this defense looks like, because right now the bottom pairing on defense is being exposed a lot. And if you have Jalmerson back, you don't have that bottom pairing. And you, you're probably, I don't know how many more wins it's translating to, but I think you feel better about what you're seeing out Every there. team has one or two injuries they have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, they, they had, when, when Ronta was out, Jalmerson was out. Chikrin wasn't back yet. I, I get it, but you're, you're talking about one guy, Nick Chalmerson, now who, let's be blunt, didn't play well when he was in the lineup before. So I just, right now, they, they need to get it going right now. And you know, look, Nick Chalmerson's not coming back. He's not going to practice with the team again this week. I don't know when he's going to be back in the lineup, but he can't be the excuse now. There's no way that that can be the thing that's preventing you from developing some momentum now. Yeah, and I have two quick thoughts before we move on. One, it's with talking to his system, ultimately, it's got you need the talent to run the system, and you got to wonder, as Craig said, do you have the talent to run that sort of I, a system? You got to stick with this system. You have well, to. you don't have a choice at this point. No, but it's, it's but, still too early. But two, and again, I, I hate to be I told you so, but I think everybody's starting to realize how much chicken salad out of you know what Dave Tippett made with his rosters in the last few years. But I think those are two different conversations. I don't think Dave Tippett was appreciated by the fans nearly as much, not all the fans, but by a, a segment of the fans as much as he should have been when he was here. But the way you have drafted over the last couple years, I would say, you've drafted players more built to play Rick Tockett's system. They're just not at the level, certainly, of the players he was coaching in Pittsburgh, which nobody expected. Of course not. But the gap is, it's noticeable right now. But you, 
you can't keep switching. I mean, this is the system you chose to go with. And so drop the players, keep accumulating players that can play that. Go with, I mean, it's sure. been 36 games. Sure. You, and you still, I mean, we've, we've talked about their deficiencies up the middle too. And to me, that's, that's a huge factor here. You, you're coming from Pittsburgh where they had Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. There's nobody even close to those two guys on this roster. You have maybe one guy who belongs, belongs on a top line down the road in, in Clayton Keller. The other guys are not top-line players. Max Domi is not a top-line player. By the way, we want to talk about guys who are built for this system. Max Domi looks like he's regressed. Yeah, He's not playing as well. Christian Dvorak looks like he's regressed. He was much better under Dave Tippett. That's a concern. I don't know where to. Do you want me to transition? Well, I guess into we could transition into which, which team. If we have any listeners left, shape. if they're not crying into their. Uh... <laughs> hey, they wanted us to talk more coyotes. And so this. Here is, you go. Yeah, this is almost an all, all coyotes podcast, so we're going to change that here shortly. But Craig has posed this question, which I feel like we may as well bring up now if we're going to bring it up. Which team's future is in the worst shape? The Flames, the Coyotes, the Senators, the Panthers, or the Hurricanes? Um, you guys first. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Carolina with a slight edge over Arizona. Carolina, even after the ownership change. Yeah, I, just, I don't. I don't like their system right now. I, I don't. I'm not enthused by the players they have coming up. I still haven't Let's lost see. complete hope. But Arizona and Carolina are in their own tier at the bottom. That's interesting because I. I think I have Ottawa and Florida. Actually, Calgary. I don't think belongs. Calgary shouldn't be Calgary's in there. Fine. Ottawa's in the in the conversation because they're going to lose Carlson. If they well, lose Florida, they have too much talent to be this bad. Let but me lay the parameters of this question though. out more because okay. I'm not talking necessarily about the system. I'm talking about the team. The team's future in that market. Where's the oh. team going to be? Oh, you're not. You're talking about the market, not yeah. the actual on the yeah. ice. Oh, I, don't I thought that. you guys would understand. Oh, that. I, I thought bad. we were going to talk bad about for hockey. Not explaining that better. Literally says which team's future is in the worst shape. Well, like, you I don't got, know how you got Eugene Melnick coming out and saying he's not selling the team, and it, it, it's, it is pretty clear right now that the players hate their owner. Yeah, it's not. When, great. when Eric Carlson is saying what he's saying, and and Kyle Turris's wife is going on social media with LOLs, and I mean, it's pretty clear that he is an unpopular guy. Do you guys and think I should change my middle name to like Oswald or something so my initials would be LOL? <laughs> Just think about it while you're talking. Go ahead, okay, Craig. Thanks. I, uh, <laughs> Hopefully, I didn't derail I, you there. Um, <laughs> where was I? But he, you know, he's talking about slashing payroll. They're not getting people to come out to that arena, etc. That's the, those are not good vibes coming. Nobody's going to force him to sell. I would assume, but Probably that, not, that's but not a good situation. You might, you might get nudged to encourage Carolina to me with with the change in ownership. That's that's really good for that organization yeah. because the, the concern there internally was that when their young players got to the point where they had to get paid, they were going to sell them off because Carmanos was not going to pay them. So that, that was a concern. That could change the fortunes of that franchise. Florida continues to lose money. It's not a good situation. Again, their their location is a bad location yeah. like the Coyotes' yes. location. Sun, and, Sunrise, and, Florida right. is convenient to nobody. Tell me where Sunrise, Florida is, listeners. Go ahead. Without convenient looking at a nobody. Map. The other thing I would say, too, about the Panthers, that none of these other teams on this list have, there's already a team in the state of Florida. Like, you can sit there and you can bash Carolina or you can bash the Coyotes. They're Pretty the only teams one. in the state. But Florida's, I mean, they're second fiddle in their own state. You, you look at the, some of their offseason moves too, like like losing Marcheso. It's just find a losing way. Losing uh, leaving their coach, yeah, to get the, a taxi. Who's taken an expansion bags. team to the like, first place Oops. in the division? Yeah, okay, but so there's that, and then I mean, I'm, the, the Arizona's always going to be the elephant in the room. Sure, I, I think everybody knows the details there. Um, We've tortured Coyotes fans enough. They still need an arena for one episode. They still need an arena. I kind of I I want to take. Oh wow, what is that arena? Oh, arena oh, talk. We got a bell. There we go. It was so okay. soft. Well, you kind of said it softly, so it was a soft bell. Uh, I, I want to look at this, though, 
through the scope of the way I read the question of which one of these teams is in the worst shape three or four years from now. Because a lot of these are teams that we've... Like, Florida's a team that we've been told for a while now has a good future on the ice. They have so the much ice. talent that they're just be, that's being wasted. Do they? You, Bukestad, Barkov, Ekblad. I mean, they Huberdeau, have... there's your four. Yeah. Trocek. That's Trocek, yeah. And he was, like, the least touted of any of them. Those five prospects are better than... All of the, all but maybe one Coyotes prospect. Still should have kept Marsha so. And like, yeah. but they're not producing. Well, and they just don't have the level any they were help. before. They've all again. Trocheck is. That Trocheck is. Everybody else is is like stuck in the the Red Wings blender of they had really good starts and then they've trailed off. But that's another thing. Like if Barkov was on Tampa Bay, he'd have like sixty points right now. Like they don't have enough help around them, and I don't know that they have help coming up. I think they they have those four or five guys. Like that Owen Tippett listed. is that their that's their top yeah, prospect. I guess now? I guess Owen Tippett. That's about it. Something. I just, yeah, I don't. I mean, Ottawa's in awful shape. Once, if Ottawa once was there, Carlson. If I think it's when you you do. You I think, think it's when, when now. If, if you if if you truly dislike the owner, which again he hasn't outright said, but read read between the lines of what's going on. I'm sure there are a couple other teams to be willing to pay him ten, twelve million dollars to play for them. Yeah, he's more focused on. Gender I'm sure. I'm sure parties. Eric Carlson can find a team that will pay him. I yep. think. I think somebody would. Would take a that flyer. That would be disastrous for that franchise if he if he left. It's it's disastrous. Because what do you have left? They would be the worst off. They of would need anybody. Daniel Alfredson to buy the team. To they would need morale left. Daniel Alfredson to come back and play. Did you see the gender reveal party where he hit the puck? I and did. Blew up the puck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that, that's what he's doing this season. That's how the year has gone for. Just, uh, just to discuss the last team that we didn't mention. What's going on in Calgary is crazy right now. I I, I, I mean, the owners have said if they don't if we don't get a new arena, we'll in, we'll probably move in three years. A and nice again, that can be posturing, et cetera. But when you hear about the the fireworks of that meeting with the with the mayor of Calgary and Gary Bettman, uh, that didn't go well at all. It, it, for, I've heard from some people that there were actually insults exchanged in that room. That's that's not a good sign no. for the future of that franchise. They, I mean, as much as anybody, we, we can talk about Gila River Arena's lousy location. It's a good building. Yeah, it's a great building to watch hockey in. The Saddle Dome is a dump. It's antiquated. It was flooded up to what the tenth row. I don't care how much repairs they did yeah. there. That's that's damaged goods. That's and it's an old building anyway. They need a new arena desperately up there. Now you can say the owners need to step up and put a little more money in. There's there's lots of money up in Calgary and oil money, mm-hmm. but what's going to play out there? It's really interesting to yeah. watch. And there are pl- there are options. Which, again, I wonder if that creates... I still have a hard time believing they're going to move another team out of Canada that's not Winnipeg. Because it's not like yeah. a Calgary has a tendency... I mean, because the things or that Quebec. caused Winnipeg to leave were are... Some of them they have no control over. Like, their building's as big as the building's going to be. You're only going to sell so many tickets. Yeah. And, t- you know, and your population is what it is. But it'd be, be weird to me to see them move Calgary. But... I have to think it is just posturing right now. But Craig's right. It, it, it sort of escalated in a hurry. It did. It's worth watching. Um, Again, you wait to deadline spur action. So you wait to see when it gets a little bit closer to actually having to make a decision. But I'm with Jamie. I can't see them actually moving a team out of Calgary. That would be, I mean, that's got to be the last, last, last but resort. But you got to have an arena. Yeah. You yeah. have to have an arena. Yes. And right now in sports, it seems to be the most important thing. Uh, Vancouver. To, to leagues and owners. Also, before we get completely off of it, uh, just let's mention, because we talked about the Panthers and Coyotes, Redeem Verbata, the article that Craig Morgan wrote for FanRag Sports. Oh, I was going to circle back. Friend of the show, Redeem Verbata, yes. and future co-host, apparently. Yeah, future co-host, fu- official uh, pronunciation expert, yeah. Redeem Verbata. For, for all words, check. Yes. Redeem Verbata. That's how it's pronounced. I remember that. 
It's the only thing I remember. Yeah, that's all I remember from that whole, that whole thing. <laughs> from the first 127 episodes, that's all you guys remember. I just sat there with my mouth open. Is he... Um, is this this is the last season you think? Well, he said it's probably his last season. He said it's not a hundred percent, but the way his body feels, family wise, all all the factors are pointing toward this being his last season. Look, he's he's going to be thirty seven this summer. He signed a one year deal with Florida, with a slightly un- different understanding of his role than what he's doing right now, playing fourth line minutes as he did against the Coyotes, or playing in this bizarre time warp <laughs> with Jared McCann again, who he played with in Vancouver when Willie Desjardins used him so badly. <laughs> a guy who's winning 39% of his face-offs, and yet, yeah, we, we want you to score. I, I know we never have the puck, but we'd like you to put it in the net. So I, I think he, you know, when he, when he looks at that situation, he, said, he one of the things he said to me when we talked outside the locker room was, at my age, it really has to be the perfect situation, the perfect coach. And he said, I don't know, if, I don't even know if that's out there anymore. I, I, I don't know that it is. And he thought he found a good situation here because of the losses that we just talked about with Florida. You know, we, we didn't even mention all the guys that left. Yager left, too. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of losses, uh, Riley Smith. He thought he was going to be playing with one of those top two centers in Florida. That was the impression he was given. And that's why he signed there, because what does Redeem Verbata do? He finds open space. Somebody gets him the puck, and he scores because he's really good at scoring when he's in the right spaces and playing with the right players. Instead, he's playing with a McCann or playing with Derek McKenzie. I'm looking at his, his career stats, and he's essentially had eight years in his NHL career where he's hit 20 or more goals. One year he hit 19. One, he only hit 12, but it was that lockout shortened season, so was, he yeah, would have scored 20. Pace. Seven of them were with the Coyotes, and they were in three different stints. What's for, the common denominator? For whatever the reason is. For the is. most part? Martin Hansel. Well, top Dave, line minutes. Dave Tippett. Dave Tippett. Tippett and top line minutes. With the exception of the 07-08 season. Yes. Dave Tippett. I yeah. mean, he, but... I mean, he said this before. I remember talking to him when he first came back to, to Arizona, the, the, his second stint, his first time coming back. He's like, I'm just more comfortable here for whatever reason. And at that point, he really hadn't even played under Dave Tippett. I don't know what it is, but the guy just is more productive in the desert than he is elsewhere. I think some of it is when you switch teams, you don't know how your coach is going to use yeah, you. I mean, it's, it's minutes and who you're playing with. And Vadim Verbato is one of the rare guys on the Coyotes in the last seven years that would not be afraid to shoot. Yeah, I mean that's been an issue for this team for so long. You have a yeah. lot of passive players, yeah, lack perimeter of players, and that's bugging Rick Tockett too. And I agree with him on that. You yeah, know, they're they're not getting to the net enough. You have too many guys who want to float. There are guys who can do that. Okay, if you're going to be a floater, then yeah, if if you're be Patrick, productive from if you're that Patrick spot. Kane, you can float all you want. Right, but, or, or Redeem Verbata, who yeah. there's a reason he's floating. He finds an yes. open space and he can shoot the puck. If you're scoring 20, 25 goals a year, it's okay. If you're yeah. scoring seven, it's not okay anymore. I'll say something positive for the Coyotes listeners, just so they keep listening to the show at some point. Christian Fisher, mm. I was already sold. I'm pretty sold he's going to be a consistent 20-goal scorer in this league, at uh, least. I like his game a lot. Yeah. He's, he is exactly what they needed. Not flashy, but just you got to have a guy like that. And you talk about a team like Florida. I don't know that Florida has a player like that. They've got more skilled guys than Christian Fisher, but the way he's set up, I think he's, he's, I think he's pretty consistently going to be good for at least 20 goals. Is that is that? Uh, I think that's fair because he's, he's, he does the things that, well, he, he's, he's definitely a Rick Tockett guy because he can, he can get in the corners and he can sustain possession there, get the cycle going because he's got that big body, he's strong, he can maintain possession of the puck, but he also goes to the front of the net and yeah. he has the size to be able to do it, to hang in there, get deflections, fight guys off for rebounds. He's going to work in this system. I, I think he's a really good piece moving forward. I think if I was a Florida Panthers fan, the the thing that might frustrate me the most is 
I thought I had a pretty good coach a couple years ago, and then we just dismissed him for no apparent reason. And the more I watch Vegas, the more I'm convinced this is about 60 to 70% Gerard Gallant. I, I mean, he's going to win the Jack Adams. That, that's, they could just hand it out right now. But it's more than that. This team is one of the top scoring teams in the NHL in Vegas. They lead the Pacific Division. It's coaching, and it's the advanced scouting that that team put together over the last year when they were just looking at players to potentially take in the expansion draft. They, they've done an amazing job. They don't just lead the Pacific Division. They lead the Western Conference. And I'm, I'm getting to the point now. We're almost to the half point of the season. Yeah. They just beat Tampa Bay last night. Yeah. They were down 2 nothing and they yes. beat Tampa Bay. And they're, 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 they're not afraid. That's the, that's the one thing about that team. They are no, not afraid to play with keep, anybody. That's coaching, isn't it? Yes, it's yes. it's got to be the coaching. They are relentless, and they are practically invincible at home. If Gerard Gallant is not the unanimous coach of the year, You've made a mistake. Well, Babcock will get a bunch Listen, of McPhee votes. should win GM of the year, too. Yeah. Yeah. The combination of those two with what they put together up there. I'm now starting to believe this team is coming out of the Pacific. I think they could they be could. in the Western Conference Finals. They could. I, I'm not and all that enthused by many of the teams in the right. Western Conference. St. Louis I like, but they're they're so banged up. They Nashville. are banged up, and that's the thing. Nashville's the one team that I look Nashville. at. You know, I, I still I, I can't believe that L.A. is going to sustain this. I still think they have holes. Winnipeg, I really need to see it. Yeah, we need to see a little bit. Winnipeg looks really the central. The central has more teams, and I'm like, you know what? They could be in Nashville, Winnipeg, St. Louis, but the Pacific. I yeah. Remember how good? I mean, I don't know. I can't really definitively say anybody in the Pacific is better than Vegas. Do you remember how good Florida was under Gallant a couple years ago? I do. Yeah, and then how they won the division, and then how everything collapsed afterward. Yeah, they they bailed on him so quickly. That was that next season. One of no the most sense. horrendous well, coaching when, when decisions fr- ever. When your front office is a giant tire fire, it trickles down. Mm-hmm. They set that team back, and Vegas has absolutely. If they don't have Gallant, I don't. Then this is maybe a 500 team. Like I am impressed by the players but, and, and the job George McPhee did to assemble this group this quickly. This, but this you've got to have a coach. It's also a good case of you had a strong GM and a strong head coach that were both available for other reasons. Yeah, McPhee again, they couldn't get the caps over the hump. But it's not that he didn't build a. A dynamic oh, team. They were always right there. So you were able to get high quality in both those positions. You have an owner who's actively involved and wanted to win. And again, they made great choices. I, mean, again, I did not expect this team to be even close to playoff contention. I am blown away by what they've been able to do. It's just funny because everybody looks and they say, well, the expansion draft was set up for them to succeed, and so it, it, this was is it? why they're winning. I don't the best know. Player that, no. I mean, aside from Flurry, the best player that. And Flurry and Neil were obviously great yeah. players for you to draft, but Marcia So was a good player as well. Other than that, what, Cody Egan? William Carlson. Carlson, yeah. I mean, William Carlson took a huge step forward in his development. Yeah, he did. By but, the, yeah, I was, I was hoping the Coyotes were going to... I thought he was going to be somebody the Coyotes could have gotten in a trade beforehand if, if Columbus was not looking to lose him for nothing. They were set up to succeed because Gallant became available when he did. Yes, and he just yeah. shouldn't have. So if you are the folks in Seattle now, how scary yeah, is no this? Yeah, no pressure. You have to follow this act as That's the next expansion so team in the NHL. That's going to be so tough. Imagine if Vegas goes to the Western Conference Final this year. All right, where do we really think they're going to go? I mean, they're they're pretty clearly a playoff team because they don't ever lose at home. I have them at least winning the first round. You do have them winning. A, okay. Give me give me a let, – let's get to the All-Star break. If they're still doing what they're doing at the All-Star break, I think I'm picking them to come out of the Pacific. I, I, I've changed my mind on this. I'm, I'm, I'm team keep James Neal now. I didn't think I'd ever get to that point, but this team just keeps winning. Yeah, at this it's, point, it's almost I was thinking Christmas. that too. It's almost Christmas. This is not fake. If you're talking about a cup run, that's something entirely different. Oh, if, right. Everybody ta- calm I, down. But let's look. No, but if, but if you Why? make it, I mean, the Pacific's off. They're on top of the conference after 33 games. 
I'm not going to pick them to go to the They just beat Tampa Bay. They rallied to beat Tampa Bay. I don't think and they're playing in the yeah. They're playing the conference finals. Yeah, I don't think getting to the conference finals out of the question. It's a great. It's a great story. I would like it. I would almost like their chances better if they finished second in the Pacific because then you're playing somebody else from the Pacific in the first round. As it stands right now, they would play Chicago in the first round. Yeah, that would be a scary matchup. Wouldn't you take round. Chicago in that's the first round? Sure. sure. But they could also place Minnesota in there. They could. The perennial disappointments. But, I mean, let's just say any of these teams. They they are currently lined up to play Chicago in the first round. But, you know, if they were playing Winnipeg in the first round, I'd probably still leaning Winnipeg in I, a seven-game Winnipeg, series. I, I'm telling you, Winnipeg scares me. That, that's a team that couldn't go on a run. If St. Louis drops, they would play. I mean, look, you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to be anywhere near the Central. Yeah. So you unless almost, it's Minnesota. You I'm need not, to drop. Minnesota does nothing for you me. You need to drop into second. And what about Dallas? What do we think about Dallas? I still don't think they play enough defense. Extremely yeah. disappointing. Yeah, I think so too. Talk about a clash of styles. Sorry, where, Carolyn. Where, where Dallas has such such great offensive potential, and Vegas isn't really necessarily. I mean, they're scoring a ton of goals, but they're not. You don't look at them as a high offense team, but they play such good structure. Yeah. And they score. What are they? It's a, it's a clash of styles. They're in the top. I'll look it up in a second. But they're one of the top scoring teams. I think they're the number two scoring team in the NHL. Vegas. Yeah, they have 116 it's, goals. It's it's absurd how they're winning. It's, it's not it, just that wait, they're winning. Yeah, Winnipeg has two more goals. The Islanders have five more goals. Tampa Bay has 126. Tampa Bay has Tampa Bay is the best team in hockey. Tampa Bay scores ten goals. Toronto has one more goal. Except when they go to Vegas. Yeah, because nobody wins in Vegas. Nobody wins no. in Vegas. Didn't Tampa Bay? I I think to be fair. I was told Tampa Bay spent like three days in Vegas. Yeah, they were making such a huge deal about that. That oh, there's no way that the they Panthers can spend... were there for a long time. Too. Now, to be fair, Luke and I, Luke, we've discussed this. The third night in Vegas is the night everything goes wrong. Yeah. In this case, for Tampa Bay, it was for Tampa Bay. That was like the hangover four. You have a two nothing lead over three, the Golden three days, Knights. two nights. That, yeah. that that is the Vegas That's plan. The limit. Yep. When Luke and I went to Vegas, it was the first night where everything went wrong. Well, is it, starting was, with you know forgetting his license. Yeah, technically that happened a week earlier, and it just it, it just extended into the trip. Uh, Wait, you lost it for a week and didn't know, or you just didn't care? Well, I, we went up to Vegas on Tuesday, and I believe I left it somewhere on Saturday night or Sunday. So, so you just you just didn't ever check your wallet? No, I just couldn't. I couldn't get it back. Oh, okay. In time. I thought you just, just didn't know until you got there. Versus didn't. Okay. No, I, I realized it's right before the trip, and then I was just uh, yeah. So Vancouver. Yeah, yes. water, water is finding its mark. We're, so again, I mean, we look at Vancouver and we're like, okay, that makes sense. You guys don't have any concern this happens to Vegas in the second half of the season. Well, still to a have smaller concern, extent. but man, our I, concern, yes, it would but be a I, really I big drop off. It would be more dramatic than what Vancouver's yeah. experience. You just picked them to win the Stanley Cup, didn't you? No, I, oh. I picked them to go to the Western Conference Final. I, th- I think they can get out of the Pacific. I really do. That's not. It's not inconceivable. Uh, Vancouver, though, is is absolutely just they've they're lost six sinking. of seven. Yeah, yeah. And, and ahead of Edmonton and the Coyotes now in the West, and they're going to be caught. Well, Edmonton, by everybody's going to be ahead. Edmonton will probably catch them. Yeah, but, Edmonton. Yeah, Edmonton's been a little bit. They've been a better. little better. Be nice if they ever won a home game. Do, do we think they're a playoff team when the season ends? No, no, because they're not that far out of a spot I didn't, right now. I didn't think. I thought they were preseason. I thought they were better. Than Calgary, better than Dallas, better than Anaheim, better than Minnesota. But I didn't think they were that much better than them. And all of those teams have been playing better than them over the course of a season and have five to seven points in hand. Let me ask you this then: Anaheim's still a sleeping giant down yeah. there. Yeah, when I mean, they get healthy. They got, didn't Corey Perry get hurt too? Like the first game, right? Everybody's Kessler came everybody, back. Everybody's hurt. As bad as Edmonton has been, they're only six points out of a playoff spot, which it, that's not easy. You can't just make that up because there's three seven. teams between you. Oh, yeah. six because San Jose Because they're, bad. In, they're in the Pacific. Because San Jose exists. But uh, well, San Jose exists in a playoff spot right now in the Pacific. Do you want Edmonton in the playoffs? 
I mean, it's always I, good I, to have Connor McDavid there, I guess, just I, to watch him. But I, I don't care. They're, look, I, I, when, I, when I look at their roster, I love the passion. I don't think they're that good a team. I just don't think they're that they're, good. They're an extremely flawed team, which we knew. We just didn't expect them to be this flawed. I'm torn on this because I would like to see McDavid in the playoffs, but on the other hand, they've just—it feels like they've gotten so many free passes. And here, have another number one overall pick. That it's well, that's it's a probably little, why a lot of people want to see them yeah, in the playoffs, little, just so they don't get into the lottery again. <laughs> but it is a little entertaining to see them miss after just being handed free passes Seriously, over if, and over if, again. If they get the number one pick again, there should be riots. There should have Outside already the NHL's offices. There should have already been. Are you assuming those will be Canucks fans? Because they'll they'll be in the running for Whoever. the number one pick too. As, you know, by and, the way, the, the lobby to the NHL's office is not that well guarded. Oh boy, the just, that's, that's, that's just, just uh, you know, By the way, that's, that's, that's just an observation. Craig Morgan, that's, yeah, Craig Morgan at CraigMorgan.com. There's only really a couple people at that front desk at any point, and you can get to the elevator bank really. Craig easily. Morgan at CraigMorganMusic.com. Yeah. You know, I'll just I'll save you for this. Uh, I don't even remember what I was going to say, but the phone's ringing again. We should just answer it and have whoever it's calling just on the show, just to see how it happens. Yeah, they have to call into one of those other lines though that oh, we have for the show. Okay, we have special numbers because we're special. Hmm. That's that's one way of describing it. All right, Jim Rutherford yeah. makes trade. Is he going to make any more trades? Well, Pittsburgh's out of a playoff spot. Yeah, but, okay. He, why? Why are they out of a playoff spot? What do you think is happening in Pittsburgh? I, I just see a weary team, mentally, physically weary. Mike Sullivan talked about this while he was here. That's the challenge, trying to get this team to gear up yet again when you just don't have that much time off. I don't think the problem is commitment from the Penguins? Are you serious? This team won two cups. They understand what it takes. To me, if I'm looking at this, I just want to make sure I get in this year. That's That would be my yeah, goal with on Pittsburgh. Just get in because if you don't, Look, it doesn't erase the fact that you won two Stanley Cups, but it looks weird if you then miss the playoffs entirely. I mean, Nobody did, expects you to win three in a row. They no. did lose a lot of players, too, so it's, there's some absorbing to but do, right? But they're going to get tired. I mean, this is what the Kings talked about, just tired. Yeah. Tired legs. You're playing so I mean, Blackhawks have had that. Minds. You've You've played so many. It's not just yeah. the two cup runs. You've been playing so many playoff games in the last five years. Well, and you lost Nick Benino and yes. Matt Cullen, so you lost your number three and number four centers, and I understand that, look, if you're the Islanders and you put so much emphasis on your fourth line, maybe you get it. But if you're talking about trying to win cups, if you watch Pittsburgh closely the last couple of years, Benino was obviously huge, especially in the first cup. Matt Cullen was huge for that team. He would yeah. win defensive zone faceoffs. He would kill penalties. They don't have those two guys right now, and you know you're going to get everybody's best when you're playing them because you're the two-time defending cup champs. You lost some defensemen too. You lost Flurry. There's, I mean, it, and part of that's locker room. That's you know, there's, there's a lot that's that's impacting. And you hadn't had Murray for about a month in there. He's yeah. back now. And, and that's the difference. When you had one of the goaltenders go down the last couple of years, you had an equal replacement for them. They don't have that now. But the biggest issue for that team is 30, 37 points in the playoffs right or in the the playoff race right now is not terrible. No. But you're in the Metro, and so you're closer to getting caught from behind. I mean, they're two points out of last in the Metro than yeah. you are to making it back into the playoffs. Uh, look, Rutherford's talking about making trades now. I'd be looking at the trade deadline more if I were him, saying, "Okay, is this yeah. are they in a dangerous spot right now?" No, only because of the division they're in. Yeah, but they, you win a couple of games and you're fine. It, yeah. look, just trust this veteran group. To, to, know what, Colorado, to know what it takes, right? I just don't what, know who what, you're going to trade for. They're 0-2 right. against what's Colorado. What's going to trade for like a bowl of greenies? Like what, what's going to help this team? Right. I, that, Which I don't believe is allowed, by the way. To, to me, sounds like more of a threat than anything else. Not the greenies, but the actual the actual conversation of potentially making a trade. All right, Craig's giving me the wrap-it-up signal. Anything else? Uh, Boston. Talking about the Bruins here? Are we going to wrap it up with Boston? 
Yeah, I was just a little surprised when I saw this stat, actually, that they have... They lead the league in games played and points generated by rookies. I, w- I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, everybody talked about Charlie McAvoy heading into the season, but not really many other rookies from Boston. You, I think people talked about rookies. They talked about the Coyotes. They talked about New Jersey. And New Jersey came out with all their rookies scoring to start the year. But Boston's got a not no-name rookies, but they've got a lot more than I think people originally expected. Yeah, like Jake, Jake DeBrusque, DeBrusque has been really good. Yes, yeah, one guy that we talked about that we saw here, obviously. But, yeah, with Charlie McAvoy as well. But they've got... Uh, what is it, 165 games and 78 points by the rookies this season, which is ahead of the Devils. And that, I wouldn't have guessed that. No, I yeah, would not have guessed that I think either. that's the rookie class that everybody's talking about this season. It's a great sign for that team, too, because they're still, at the moment, they are third in the Atlantic. Nobody's catching Toronto or Tampa anyway. So, like, the real Atlantic, they're in first of those six teams. The real Atlantic. The real Atlantic. But they're also... They're also rebuilding. I mean, if you're a Bruins fan, you've got to be encouraged by the fact that you're doing this with the next wave of Bruins already in there making an impact. And with a GM that might not just throw away all your talent the second they're good. Oh. <laughs> Whatever oh. happened to force back a Carlson? Isn't, I thought he was a, was that a top Peter Shirelli reference there? No, no, no way. Peter we've Shirelli, already got, we've been dinged. Peter Shirelli's trades. We've been dinged for Shirelli references yeah, already. So anyway. Well, I guess we're ending on a high note for the Bruins. It's, look, we all know the city of Boston deserves to finally get some good luck with their sports teams. Yeah, so. they don't win enough championships. No, good for them. All right. For Craig Morgan, for Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.